Our scripture reading for today and the text for my message comes from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him, and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through in their midst, he went away. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's still fairly early in the ministry of Jesus. Probably within the first year, following his baptism and the temptation in the wilderness. But Jesus has been out and his reputation is beginning to gather and people are beginning to hear of some of the amazing things they've done. They've begun to hear of some miracles that he did in Capernaum, for example. And Jesus comes home. He comes to Nazareth. He comes to where he grew up. And as he comes there, as the the scripture tells us in Luke, that it was the Sabbath day and was his custom to go to church, to go to the synagogue. And people recognized him. Isn't this Joseph's son? You know, every time I read this text, I have to kind of chuckle. Because I remember many years ago now, But I remember when I was in the seminary, 
And I would come home on a holiday or come home during the summer to my small town in southwestern Minnesota. And being a seminarian, my pastor was very gracious to let me practice preaching with those people that had watched me grow up for 20 years. And there was my Sunday school teacher who remembered me. And there was one of my high school history teachers. And over there was my grandma. And my best friend growing up in that church was also a seminarian. And he and I were hellions for his dad in confirmation class. And those who were confirmed with us had wonderful memories of how Joel and I would get in trouble with his dad. And I think, you know, I'm not Jesus, certainly, but I, I can't help but think that some of the people in the synagogue that day were like that. They had seen Jesus growing up. And hopefully he wasn't a hellion in confirmation class. Probably not. But anyway, so those memories are there, and they look at this young man now who's got a reputation as a healer, as a teacher, and he's invited to stand up and read from the scriptures. It was customary in the synagogue on the day of worship that two scripture readings were done. The first one was from the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, the writings of Moses. And the second one was from the prophets. And it so happens that Jesus has handed the text to read from Isaiah. These wonderful words that we heard him quote there today. And then he sits down. Now he doesn't just sit down for the worship to continue, but in the synagogue, when a, a prophet or when a rabbi was going to teach... That was the position they would take. They would sit down and they would begin to talk about the text or they would begin to talk about God. And that's what Jesus does is he sits down and he begins to teach. And that's when the people marvel at his ability to teach. They marvel at his words. Isn't this Joseph's son? How wonderful it is to have him here teaching among us. And they were awed by his words. At first, then they challenge him, Jesus, why don't you do for us what you did in Capernaum? In other words, do some miracles. We'd like to see you do a miracle. And Jesus says, no prophet is ever welcome in his hometown. Now remember the, wor the work of a prophet a prophet was a teacher, but a prophet was always challenging people back to faithfulness. A prophet was always confronting people's expectations of God. And prophets were oftentimes not well received. Throughout the Old Testament, we hear the words of Isaiah, we hear the words of the other prophets, that was, was oftentimes not well received. So they said, 
we'd like you to do for us a miracle. And now the prophet begins to teach in a way that's not well received. The prophet teaches about Elijah. And Elijah who came to a widow at a time of a famine and in her house provided that widow all that she needed to survive during the famine. And then he tells the story of Elisha who came and was among lepers. And among all the lepers who were there, only one, Naaman, was healed. And now the people rise up and their awe turns to anger. And their overwhelming wonder about Jesus is now turned into violence. And they want to push him over the cliff. Why? What does Jesus do that makes them so angry? Well, we're talking today about breaking free from our old expectations. And Jesus confronts them about expectations. The two people that Jesus refers to, the one with Elijah and the one with Elisha, were Gentiles. They weren't Jews. And the people's expectation was that the Messiah, the Savior, came for only Jews. And so when Jesus begins to tell the story of Elijah and Elisha and tells about those two prophets who went and helped and saved and healed Gentiles, God forbid that that would be the Messiah. God forbid that he would care about Gentiles, but only about Jews. And they take him to the cliff, and we don't know what happened exactly, but as they're about to push him over the cliff to his death, he simply turns around, walks through the crowd, and walks away. The beauty, the power, the patience, the love of God. Expectations. Expectations oftentimes are exciting and are wonderful when they're fulfilled. There's a number of people in Green Bay today who are pretty disappointed about their expectations. <laughs> but expectations can also lead us in the wrong direction. All the way back in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, remember when Adam and Eve are in the garden? And God had told them they could have anything in the garden to eat except the fruit of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they look at the tree and they saw that the fruit was good and they thought it would be great to be like God. And so they ate of the fruit because of their expectation that they could be like God. And God comes and confronts them with their sin, with their disobedience. Expectations can oftentimes lead us to misunderstandings about God and his great love for us. 
Jesus challenged the expectations of those people in Nazareth. And we'll, we find as we follow the life of Jesus through the next two years, Jesus was ready and often willing to challenge the expectations of the Jewish leaders, of the scribes and the Pharisees. He was always willing to challenge those expectations because they were leading away from God. When John the Baptist is in prison and he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus and says, are you really the one? I'm not real sure because, quote, you don't, not, you don't meet my expectations. I'm not really sure. Are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus says to them, back to this Isaiah text, tell John what you've seen and heard, the blind see. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the poor have the good news preached to them. That's why I came. So Jesus challenges the people's expectations. And that's why he said to the people, a prophet's not often welcome in his hometown because he challenges expectations. So we think for a little bit today about our own lives about our own spiritual life. We think about what are the expectations that we have about God that maybe need to be challenged or maybe we need to break free from those expectations. One expectation we often hear is all good people go to heaven. Is that godly? God says, all who believe and are baptized will be saved. Jesus says, those who love and believe are saved. There's no place that God says, all good people go to heaven. Or one that I struggle with a lot is, God doesn't expect me to love everybody. God certainly doesn't expect me to love my neighbor who keeps disrupting. Or God doesn't expect me to love those people who are different politically than I am. Or God doesn't expect me to, to love those who are just plain different. But Jesus says... greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Expectations. We could probably go around and ask you, what are some expectations you have that may not be godly, but they certainly are yours? Another one that we struggle with is my need to forgive someone depends upon their willingness to confess that they've wronged me. That forgiveness becomes dependent upon someone else's action. But do you remember Jesus? 
Remember two scenes in the life of Christ. First one is in the upper room on Monday, Thursday, when he's about to give, the whole, give Holy Communion to the disciples for the first time. And he gives Holy Communion to the disciples knowing that that night, not only Judas, but every one of them was going to betray him. And that Peter was going to deny him three times. Or remember the other scene when Jesus is hanging there on the cross. And down beneath him on the ground are those who have put him on the cross. Those who have mocked him and scourged him and have beat him and ridiculed him. And what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness isn't dependent upon our confession. Forgiveness is the grace of God poured out for us through Jesus Christ, even for those sins we don't even remember, or for those sins for not which we're willing to repent. So how do we know? How do we know what our godly expectations? How do we know what is godly and not simply tradition? We only know through here. We only know by what the Word of God tells us. We only know by how God reveals his expectations through the teachings of Jesus, through the teachings of the Old Testament, through all that we have. And so, for example, Jesus gives his disciples the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's an expectation. That we'd be willing to reach out to those who don't yet know Jesus. That as individuals, as a family, as a church, that we'd be constantly looking for those who yet don't know that tremendous love of God. Or as I quoted earlier when Jesus says, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's an expectation of God. Jesus who says to his disciples, you will know, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. We constantly are challenged to break free from our old expectations that may not be godly, but sure sound good. They talk oftentimes about American folk religion. An American folk religion is sort of that Christianity that gets mixed up with the will of God and the way we live as people. And sometimes our expectations are false. So Jesus, today, talked with those in his hometown. And he talks with you and he talks with me. And he reminds us don't let your expectations 
lead you away from the expectations of God. Know what God's love is for you. Know what God's desire is for all of us. And then we live to live our lives as God expects us. Let's pray.